We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. Yusei, it's exciting. We are recording this episode on June 22nd. It's a Tuesday here, and, you know, it's exciting for Chicago sports because, you know, for those who follow basketball, the NBA draft lottery is tonight. So by the time this, this podcast is out, we'll know where the Chicago Bulls are picking, which will be exciting for NBA news. But in terms of football stuff, uh, you know, not really much to go over this week with mini camps and all that stuff gone we're really into the dead part of the off season here but you know it's an exciting time to get some other content out there you say and I think it's a good time to go over you know what we what we've been working on really over the past I don't know a couple of weeks or so so you said you know I'll start with you you know how are things going man and you know what are some of the things you're looking forward to in this off season period now that we have some time before training camp yeah I'm doing well first off I've just been continuously pumping out content for the bear report website. I mean, I just dropped an article about the bears plan to develop Justin Fields, what that's like. And from when Fields spoke to the media last Thursday, what it sounded like was the main thing that he's focusing on right now is relaying plays into the huddle. Because if you watch any Ohio state games over the last two years, you'd know that they use signals from the sideline rather than the traditional huddle, because it was such an up-tempo offense. And then another thing he's working on learning is, um, being able to look at complex defensive coverages, what the cornerbacks are up to. And what I found very interesting was Justin actually mentioned how he's talking to the Bears cornerbacks and the defensive backs to get an idea of what were you doing on this specific coverage? Where were you? And I think that's really good because a lot of traditional the traditional way that rookie quarterbacks would learn this type of stuff would just be turning on the film. Whereas Justin's actually talking to the players to get an idea of what were you doing? Where are you at? Why did you do what you just did in order to know that the next time I see something like that, 
this is what the defensive backs are going to be doing. So what Justin's trying to do is really get a read into everything that's going on, which just bodes so well for his development and obviously plan that Matt Nagy and the Bears have set in place to continue to develop him. Yeah, it's interesting because there's so much that goes into the development of these rookie quarterbacks that we often don't think about because you know, obviously the stuff about learning the offense and some of the mechanical stuff that, you know, the coaches want to get these guys to where they want um, from that aspect of things. And of course you want, you know, the quarterbacks to learn the playbook and be able to master that uh, as quickly as possible. But it's the stuff that you look at, like, you know, you mentioned, you know, Justin Fields learning how to handle things in the huddle, you know, not having that experience at Ohio state and college at all. And that's something that really is taken for granted, I think, because, you know, there's that old story that Matt Nagy had about Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, where Mahomes basically the first time he was in the huddle, he was basically shouting it as loud as he could, basically loud enough to where the defense was able to hear what the play call was. And that's something that was a learning curve for Mahomes in Kansas City. And, you know, I'm not sure what the case is for Fields now. I'm sure he's uh, probably, you know, doing better as the weeks have progressed with rookie mini camps and OTAs and then the veteran mini, mini camps. Uh, but definitely something that goes under the radar that I think needs to get a lot of attention here. You know, it isn't just the on the field stuff and um, the actual stuff within the, uh, the minutia of a play that's important here. It's all the little details here that you want to make sure these guys have down before you're ready to put them out there on an NFL football field on a Sunday starting uh, for your team in games that actually matter. So uh, that'll be interesting there. I, I find it fascinating because we've heard a lot of rumors about uh, what the Bears' strategy is in the preseason. You know, we had that report from Albert Breer that, you know, Justin Fields, the Bears are planning on playing him quite extensively in the preseason, which I found pretty fascinating because Matt Nagy said that he plans on playing the starters quite a bit in the preseason, or at least pretty significantly when compared to previous preseasons. And I'm curious what your thoughts on that are, because does that mean Justin Fields is going to get time with starters? Does that mean they're going to try and mix and match things there? You know, because I feel like if you're just putting out Justin Fields in there with, you know, third, fourth stringers, guys that aren't going to make the team, that really isn't helping his development because he's out there with makeshift offensive lines. Then he's not throwing the guys that are going to be actually on the roster, guys that, you know, are actually going to help in his development at all. So I'm curious to see whether they're going to be throwing him out there with guys that are you know, actually going to be out there on Sunday. So what are your kind of your thoughts there and, and what that could be mean for his development going forward? There's two ways to look at it. The first way is simply that, well, he's QB2 and the backups are playing in the preseason. But then also, I think that when you're Matt Nagy and you are the Bears offensive coaching staff, you are also Ryan Pace, you're realizing, okay, the best evaluation in the NFL takes place in actual games. It's not practice. It's not OTAs or minicamp or walkthroughs. It happens in games. And in Justin's case, what you want to do is this. You want to get an idea of where he's at. So naturally, you're going to play him in these games that don't really count. So this way, this plan that you have that's set in place, you can go ahead and alter it depending on what Justin shows he's capable of doing throughout these preseason games. And again, there's only three games. I do expect him to play in all three of them. I said this on our Bear Report live stream, but I also think that whoever starts that second preseason game, it could be very telling of who's going to go ahead and who could potentially be the week one starter. Now, 
in regards to Andy Dalton being the starter, I think that, listen, Andy Dalton's been in the NFL long enough to the point where a veteran like him doesn't necessarily need preseason, but preseason would still be an advantage for Andy Dalton this year because, again, he's also getting acclimated with a new team, a new city, a new environment, just new playmakers in general that he's going to have to build chemistry with very quickly. Yeah, and that's something that we're not thinking about here as well. You know, Eddie Dalton, what is his role in all of this? I think, you know, he's going to get some significant playing time in that second preseason game, I would assume, because um, they want to find out what he has in his offense. And also just because, you know, he's in a new environment, new offense, and, uh, you know, they want to get that chemistry now before week one if the plan is for him to still be the starter. You know, that being said, you know, we'll see if, if training camp changes that at all. You know, I wanted to switch gears a little bit before we get into the meat of this podcast, uh, you said, um, to kind of talk about, continue to talk about Justin Fields here because, you know, that preseason development is going to be important. You talk about the fact that there's only so much you can do in training camp and these mini camp practices, you know, it's, at some point you want to see him on the field. You want to see him with the live bullets flying and, you know, against another defense where, you know, it's not just a preset defense. He knows where he's getting uh, before the snap. Basically he can go out there against an actual defense and, and really show what he's got. With that said, though, I want to do something before we get into the meat of this podcast with uh, covering this 2018 draft, which we'll get to in a little bit here. And that's going over uh, a little something that I was able to produce over the past weekend, I would say. Yeah, it was on the Saturday I posted it. Um, for those who haven't been able to check it out, go check out my video on Justin Fields. I, I should point that out because uh, I was able to you know, go back and watch some of his college tape. And uh, that was pretty exciting stuff overall. Right now, we have about, I think it's about like 7,000 views on it right now. So pretty exciting stuff. I'm really um, excited about that. Um, I, it was a lot of fun to put together. And hopefully, we can get some other videos out here during this, this offseason period because there's just, I'm sorry, man. There's just not a ton to go over right now in this offseason space right now. There's just not a lot of storylines uh, with, you know, no practices or anything. So, um, you know, before we get into – revisiting this 2018 draft i just want to say to our listeners if you have any ideas um for videos that you'd like to see film rooms if you're a fan of that stuff uh let us know let me know on my twitter account at aj freeman 25 and we can get that out to you more um in the next month or so before training camp but uh with that said let's get into the actual topic of this podcast you say the actual fun stuff um here because what we've been doing over the past couple weeks has been going over some of these older Ryan Pace drafts, regrading them, uh, revisiting them within the context of where they were at at the time. And that brings us to the 2018 draft. Because we covered the 2017 draft, which was pretty divisive, to say the least. That was really one of the important drafts um, of the Ryan Pace era. We're talking about Mitch Trubisky there, Am Shaheen at the top. But getting that A. Jackson tree cone kind of make up for things. So going into this thing here, you said, you know, what were your thoughts of – really Ryan Pace's draft history to this point and, you know, going into the 2018 drafts, you know, putting in yourself in the mindset of where you were at in 2018, what were your expectations going into this 2018 draft back when the draft was taking place? Well, the simple expectations were just that the bears had the year before drafted their quarterback of the future at the time, what a lot of people thought was the quarterback of the future and that they were going to use this draft to continue to build around him. Now, there was also a lot going on this offseason in 2018 because you had Vic Fangio, who was kind of 
interviewing with the Packers, possibly threatening to leave. And then Matt Nagy brings him back. Then what happens is this, is that you continue the bears. They needed to add, they had a solid defense, but they also had some needs like middle linebacker. They needed someone next to Danny Trevathan could have used some just stepped along the defensive line and then offensive side of the ball. The real theme of that 2018 offseason was we need to be aggressive. We need to spend our money in free agency and just continue to build around the quarterback. And when I say build around the quarterback, there's a really interesting trend. If you look at over the last couple of years, that's taken place with these young quarterbacks. I mean, year one, obviously they're rookies. Then going into that second offseason, what tends to happen is teams decide we're going to build around these guys. I mean, the Rams did it with Jared Goff. The Eagles did it with Carson Wentz going out and getting players like Alshon Jeffrey. And then the Browns did it. The Bears did it with Mitch Trubisky, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel. The Browns went ahead and did it with guys like Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. That's really what it is. And then the Bills just did it last offseason by bringing in Stephon Diggs. That's really been the theme. And so that was the theme for the Bears this offseason, continue to build around Trubisky. And they succeed in some aspects, but they failed in others. But you also have to understand is that no plan in the NFL is ever going to be perfect. Yeah, and to add some context to that, one of the reasons why that's such a big trend, especially over the past really 10 years or so, is because, you know, back in 2011, the NFL put in the rookie wage scale. So basically, um, that basically made it a set amount of money that rookies can make based off of where they were picked. You know, in the old days, basically rookies could negotiate their own contracts. And we saw these ridiculously high contracts for high picks. Like I think Sam Bradford, you know, signed for regional. He was picked number one overall in 2010. Uh, he signed for something like a six year, like $80 million contract, something ridiculous for a rookie player who's never, you know, played a snap in the NFL. So they really put, they put that in the 2011 off season. Uh, and what we've seen over then over the past 10 years is, these teams that get these quarterbacks on these rookie contracts, they're very cheap. They're very uh, you know, beneficial for you from a salary cap standpoint because it really opens up space then to go out and really fill in the roster around these guys. And like you said, said um, you know, going, going out and getting some players for your young quarterback, we saw the Rams really be aggressive with this. We saw the Eagles really be aggressive with this. And you know, even this past offseason, Miami was aggressive with this, doing with Tua. The Chargers did this with Justin Herbert. Uh, the Bengals have been – the Bengals, you know, in terms of building around this, I don't think they've gone in quite as much as they could have, but that's just a, a different situation with Cincinnati um, and the way their front office operates. But you look at the Miami Dolphins and the Chargers, uh, specifically there were Justin Herbert and Miami and uh, Tua Tunga-Vailoa. Uh, those teams really went all in at trying to build around their young quarterbacks and trying to give them help, especially the Chargers getting some offensive line help and then, you know, continuing that in the drafts as well. So, where, how does that relate to the Bears? Well, the Bears here, you know, like you said, they were coming off that first year of Trubisky. They were 5-11, and 11, not a very good team whatsoever. The offense was complete garbage at the, at the time. Uh, they finished the 2017 season, 30th in points per drive. You know, they needed weapons. They needed more creativity. They needed a proper environment for Trubisky to at least have a chance to develop. And he wasn't getting it with John Fox or Dowell Loggins as his coaches there. You know, you can tell that John Fox really didn't trust Trubisky. He had that one game against Carolina where they won the game, but Trubisky only threw seven passes, which is the first time I think since that happened with Tim Tebow, I think was the only one who threw fewer passes or similar passes in a game and won. And it just so happens that, uh, the coach for that game was John Fox once again. So uh, it's just clear that John Fox just wasn't the type of court, uh, coach was, that was going to develop him. And Donald Loggins just 
not a good hire for an offensive coordinator. So what do the Bears do? They go out and they get Matt Nagy. They bring him in to be their head coach, really trying to kickstart a new era of offensive football, uh, change of philosophy for the team. And his number one job was, of course, to get the offense in the right direction. But develop Trubisky was the main thing here. And like you said, they kept Vic Fangio. The defense actually took a step forward in 2017. They were a borderline top 10 unit in that season. You had Akeem Hicks still there. Uh, Kyle Fuller had a great year. They ended up re-signing him on a big year contract um, in that offseason as well, which was pretty huge uh, for the team. Because if we remember Kyle Fuller, he actually signed a contract with the Packers, but because uh, the Bears put a transition tag on him, they were able to match that contract and keep him in Chicago. So uh, that was ended up being a very big re-signing for them because Kyle Fuller ended up having his best years of pro in 2018. And, you know, the Bears, like you said, Going into the year two with that rookie quarterback, they really had a lot of cap space here to really be aggressive and go all in to try and improve the roster here. Uh, and they did that being aggressive, signing Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Trey Burton to that offense in free agency. Uh, three pretty big additions. Allen Robinson, we know he's still here. Um, he's still a very good wide receiver, probably a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL right now. Taylor Gabriel brought that speed element to the offense, had a really nice uh, 2018 season with the Bears. And then Trey Burton, I know a lot of guys, you know, take give him flag, a lot of Bears fans for his injury history, but he was a solid player for the Bears during that 2018 year. It's just unfortunate injuries didn't work out. But all three were brought in to help this offense kind of modernize it uh, for the NFL game and the way it was trending. And then eventually the Bears made that all-in move for Khalil Mack, but that did not factor, factor into this draft here just because of the fact that that happened so close to the season, literally a week before the season started. Um, and when it was all said and done, the experts – around the NFL, labeled the Bears winners in free agency here. So uh, the expectations, to say the least, were pretty high from the fan base going into this draft. And there's a lot of optimism about the direction of this team at this point in this you know year here. And that brings us to the 2018 draft where the Bears, they start off with the number eight pick in this draft. And um, it was pretty interesting because you know there were a lot of needs on the table here, they could, a lot of direction they could have gone in here. Um, and then here's the hole that the Bears ended up with. They did not have a third-round pick going into the draft, um, but they made some interesting moves to try and add some talent in this, what was perceived as a win-now window, so to speak. So here's the draft as a whole, and then we're going to get into the individual picks here. At eighth overall, they got Roquan Smith, linebacker out of Georgia. At the 39th pick in the second round, they got James Daniels, offensive lineman out of Iowa. And then they ended up trading a future second and fourth-round pick uh, to get back into the second round to get Anthony Miller at the 51 selection uh, wide receiver out of Memphis. And then it brings us to day, day three, where, again, they did not have a third-round pick because of the Trubisky trade in the previous draft. Uh, but they ended up having four selections on day three still. In the fourth round, Joel Iubinue out of, uh, I'll just say Iggy, a linebacker out of Western Kentucky. I still struggle with that name three years later, but it is what it is at this point. Uh, Bilal Nichols in the fifth round. Defensive lineman out of Delaware. And then the sixth round, Kylie Fitz, edge guy out of Utah. And then the seventh round, Javon Wims, wide receiver out of Georgia. So we're going to start off with Roquan Smith here, uh, you say. And I'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Roquan Smith pick in general at the time? And then in retrospect, what are your thoughts on the pick? And what would you grade this pick um, with hindsight now available to you? So if you go back and you look at the 2018 draft, there was actually a report that came out the day of the draft saying Vic Fangio hit a hole in one. And then what that basically 
kind of solidified for me when this was about five or six hours before the draft, that it was Roquan Smith's going to be a strong target for the Bears. And I think that when you look at Roquan Smith being a player who's about six foot one, 230, 235 pounds, he compares. In a Vic Fangio-style defense, being that off-ball linebacker, he compares really, really well to some guy named Patrick Willis who burst onto the scene back about a decade ago under Vic Fangio as well. So Roquan Smith was really the Patrick Willis to the Bears defense, and he really still is. Ultimately, when you look at it, there were three blue-chip prospects in this draft. It was Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, and then Roquan Smith. And I think when you look at Roquan Smith, there's a legitimate argument to be made. Just looking at the way that the draft board fell, and now three to four years later, that he is ultimately a top three player from this class or even a top five player yeah there were other guys like Minka Fitzpatrick but Roquan had everything needed to excel at playing a linebacker in the NFL now there were obviously ups and downs throughout his first two years last year 2020 was a career career year for him just really continued to showcase why he was the eighth overall pick and then also when you look at it now going into 2021 I mean he seems to be more motivated than ever he's clearly a player that is taking on more of a leadership role he's someone that the coaching staff can continue to rely on and I think that Roquan Smith overall I know Chicago is a place where great linebackers strive from Mike Singletary to Dick Dick Butkus um Brian Erlacher even Roquan Smith is legitimately the coming of the next great linebacker or the next great Bears linebacker we may not see it right now but you're gonna see it over the next couple years here yeah I'm expecting big things from Roquan uh, in this upcoming year in 2021 like you said seen as one of the few blue chip prospects in this class he was certainly up there among the top linebackers you know up there with a guy like Tremaine Edmonds who was getting a lot of hype as well as kind of like more of a toolsy guy uh, with that size, weight, speed combination. But, uh, you know, Roquan's speed, sideline to sideline, and his instincts and coverage, you know, had a lot of potential there to be one of the few missing pieces of this defense. And you kind of mentioned it. He struggled at times during his first two seasons, I thought, but he really broke out in 2020. He was playing at an all-pro level, making a ton of plays, stuffing the stat sheet, all the stuff you want to see from a top 10 pick at the linebacker position. You know, I think he's set to be a foundational piece for this defense for a long time to come. I think they are going to some at some point work on a uh, long-term extension here. I don't know if it'll be this year, maybe next year when the money makes more sense to do so. They can figure something out. But yeah, Roquan Smith, to this point, he was by far Ryan Pace's best first-round pick. He really nailed a home run here. Um, I end up giving this pick an A. You say the only reason I don't have it like an A-plus or anything you know, it did take Roquan a couple of years to kind of get his footing in the NFL. And, you know, linebacker is a position where it doesn't have as much impact as it, uh, in today's game as it did maybe in the past, like 10 years ago. And you look at this draft, you know, there were arguably two linebackers picked after him that were end up, you know, being better players. We look at Fred Warner and Darius Leonard. Now, Roquan Smith, I think he's still like right behind those guys. Like it's not that that far. And I'd still take Roquan Smith as a top 10 player in this class anyway. Um, I'm just saying that the value may not have been quite as there to justify it, but the player here definitely does justify it. Roquan Smith, he's been a fantastic player for the Bears. And I think his best football is coming up here. I, he's a young, he's still a young guy. I think he's only 24 years old right now. So he still has a lot of like really good years left in him. Like five, like legitimately like five prime years left in him. So I'm excited to see what Roquan does here in this upcoming year and the, and the upcoming season to come 
you know, what is your overall grade for this pick now that you've gotten some hindsight with it? I'm going to give it an A as well. I also think that when it's interesting, because when you look at the 2018 class, I mean, there were a couple of really good linebackers, but the two guys who stood out above all else were Tremaine Edmonds, who's a great player in his own right for the Buffalo Bills, and then Roquan Smith. Now, what's interesting between the two is a lot of people said that Edmonds had the much higher ceiling at the time, specifically because he was 19 years old, but he also was a physical freak of nature. Now, Roquan, obviously, I think is a year or two older than Tremaine, but you just look at it. Both of these guys have had, I think, very similar careers so far. So really what it is, is this, is that it just comes down to, do you prefer Roquan Smith or do you prefer Tremaine Edmonds? And what type of linebacker player are you looking for? What type of defense are you going to run that is going to bring out the best in these guys? But yeah, overall, I would give the Roquan pick an A. Yeah, he certainly brings a lot as a modern-day linebacker with the coverage ability. You know, he really stood out with that last year, being able to blanket running backs out of the backfield and blanket tight ends um, over the middle of the field. Um, again, I think Roquan's best football is ahead of him, and this this pick is going to continue to really add value here in the upcoming years. Ryan Pace really hit a, hit a home run here with this pick, in my opinion. That brings us then to the second round then, where – um, a little bit more interesting here because the Bears, they had some needs here. Um, you know, they picked James Daniels at the 39th spot in the second round out of Iowa. He was originally picked to play center for them. You've seen as a really high-end upside center prospect coming out of college. In fact, um, his college coach at, coach at Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, uh, you know, said that Daniels was the best center prospect that he has ever coached or ever seen. Um, or something to that, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but something to those ends there uh, during the draft process. You know, James Daniels had a lot of upsides at center. You know, it's notable that Owen Krutz, you know, former Bears center, of course, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, really loves Daniels' potential as a center still, which I find to be very interesting. But as it turns out, Daniels has actually turned out to be a better guard than center during his career. He had some struggles at center during 2019, unfortunately. And the Bears, I think they've been kind of scared off from putting him there ever since. But he's been a quality guard for the Bears in his three years. He had that notable game as a rookie where I wouldn't say he shut down Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald did not have that impact during that 2018 game. And a lot of that was due to James Daniels and what he was able to do in that game to slow him down. Um, you know, what's interesting about Daniels, he entered the league at 20 years old. So he was a guy that had a ton of untapped athletic potential. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because he appeared ready for a breakout year in 2020, similar to Roquan, uh, because he did have his struggles during his first couple of years. But that he had a pectoral injury that ended his season early. I think it was week five against Tampa Bay where he suffered that injury. And you know, now we're waiting then in the, his rookie contract year um, to see whether he can break out and be a long-term piece for this team. But, you know, it's, it, it, you know, for a second round pick, he's been a solid starter from them from not day one, but. Uh, he started for them for all three years here. He's been a solid player. I gave this pick a B minus, you said. What were your thoughts on James Daniels at the time for the pick? And then, you know, with hindsight, what are your thoughts on the pick now as a whole? Well, I'll start with the grade. I mean, I gave the I gave the pick a B as well. When you look at it at the time, James Daniels was labeled as a player who was going to be a mid to late first round pick, ultimately ended up slipping to the second round. Now, there were a lot of reasons for that, but I think the biggest thing that stuck out regarding Daniels coming into the league 
four years ago at this point was not the fact that he was just 20 years old or he was this physical freak of nature. He was this great athlete. It was also the fact that at Iowa, they trained their offensive linemen, especially the interior guys, to play all three spots on the interior. Now, that versatility really stuck out because we've seen a couple of years later, Ryan Pace and the Bears, they value versatility in their offensive linemen. I mean, listen, the Bears just drafted Larry Borum. And a lot of people say he could play either right tackle or right guard. It just depends. But overall with Daniels, I was excited for the pick because the upside's there. The upside is really off the charts. Now, Daniels is, he may not be a super flashy player, but if you really watch him and you focus in on him, you notice that he's just very good at all the little details. He's a very smart, but also a very instinctive player. And we've seen that translate over to the NFL. Now he still has a long ways to go in terms of realizing his true potential and his true ceiling. I think that the, Experiment at center in 2019, the Bears never should have gone with that. It's been very clear to me that despite the fact that some people like Oil and Coots are like, well, he has the size to play center. James Daniels has proven that in the NFL, he's just more effective at playing guard. And that's totally okay because he can be a really good left guard. Now, the reason that he struggled at times with playing center is just because as a center, you're you're essentially the quarterback of the offensive line. You're making all these calls. You're looking at the defensive linemen. You're looking at the stunts, the fronts, whatever the case may be. And you are relaying that to the other four guys on your unit. When I look at the Bears, they should have never – put Daniels at center and the reason being is because Cody Whitehair excelled there excelled at center from day one so why would you end up making that switch and then all of a sudden they kind of made the switch back before it was too late but overall just going into 2021 here with Daniels keep him at left guard and see how he excels because he will excel when the other guys around him are stable yeah, I think physically speaking, James Daniels, I still think his best fit would be at center because he has that get off, that first step to get out to the second level and, and get to those linebackers and really seal them off. That's really what his best trait is. You know, it's someone that gets neutralized than at guard. But like you said, center is a lot more of a mental position than it is a physical position. I'm not saying that, you know, Daniels doesn't have the mental ability to play the center position. Um, it's just that it was clear that as that second year player that he just wasn't ready to take that step and that maybe the coaching staff threw him into that spot a little bit too early. Um, you know, I think the strategy was right into wanting to move Cody Whitehair off of center because we, we saw those snaps, you know, those shotgun snaps during those years that where Cody Whitehair was at center. He definitely wasn't comfortable with that. And we saw this past year that Cody Whitehair was best plays at guard. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with the offensive line this year. I think James Daniels, the plan is for him to play right guard, which I think he can play very well. Um, you know, Castillo has made it a point, the offensive line coach for the Bears, to for him to add muscle to his frame. And I think we saw that last year, but if he can add even more muscle uh, this offseason, I, I think that's going to go a long way to his game because they want to have a mauling offensive line in that outside zone scheme um, for their run game this year. And James Daniels, he's very good for an outside zone fit, but if he can add some muscle to his frame, that'll go a long way for his ability to break out here in his contract year. And then it comes to the decision of whether he can be a long-term piece for them in the interior for this offensive line. I think he can make it work. We'll just see what happens there. But overall, I think it's still a solid pick either way because he is a starting caliber player. You got that in the second round. Good value there overall. But the Bears moving on here, they got a second second round pick. And like I said, that was because of trading a future second round pick in the 2019 draft and a fourth round pick in the 2019 draft to make this selection here. 
And they end up going with Anthony Miller, wide receiver out of, wide receiver out of Memphis. I'll, I'll just say it right here. 2018 was one of the first drafts that I was really trying to get into more detail. Like I wouldn't say scouting, but I, I guess I'll say scouting for uh, these upcoming draft classes. And when I watched the wide receiver in this class, I always thought Anthony Miller was the number one guy. I just loved this game so much. He reminded me so much of like a poor man's version of Antonio Brown. I saw a lot of Antonio Brown and Anthony Miller at Memphis. And it's too bad that that hasn't really translated because I still think he's a really talented football player. But uh, as we've seen, just a lot of inconsistency here. But, you know, going back into the context of where Miller was at um, as a rookie or as a prospect, you know, he was still considered one of the better wide receivers in what was thought of as kind of a weaker wide receiver class at the time. He showed plenty of flashes, like I kind of mentioned, uh, flashes of being a high-end player, maybe not like a number one wide receiver, but certainly a quality number two. But it's never really materialized as of yet, you know, whether it be in mental errors, discipline, untimely drops, running the wrong routes at times. They've just been major issues here. I still think quarterback play has a lot to do with his struggles, and that has hurt him mightily here as well. It's just like he was just never on the same page with uh, Mitch Trubisky, who just, you know, Anthony Miller's a guy who does thrive being able to freelance a little bit and go off script and Trubisky, if he's off script, that's where he struggles the most. He's a, he's a guy that needs everything to go well on script for him to succeed. And that was just not a good fit with Miller there. But I mean, there have been issues with Miller that just go beyond like the quarterback play. Like he's had his own issues here. You know, what are your thoughts on Miller and his time here in Chicago so far? I gave the pick a C as well. It's been an up and down tenure. I mean, we everyone thought that the true breakout season was coming in 2019 after Anthony had led the Bears in receiving touchdowns with seven as a rookie. And again, he still has a lot of that same stuff that we saw coming out of Memphis. I still see the electric playmaking ability. I still see the ability to be a spark, but he just hasn't put it all together. Now, I think that going into year four, when you're making the same mistakes that you were making in years one and two, that's a problem. And I understand the Bears quarterbacks have not been consistent at all, but there's also this other side of it where Miller's had a lot of incidents in the past that have significantly hurt him and hurt the Bears. I mean, the most recent one was against the Saints in that playoff game where he got ejected. And when the head coach is basically showing you clips of do not mess around with these players, which is what Matt Nagy did, and you still go ahead and do it. That's not the quarterback's fault. That's Anthony Miller's fault. Also, that Raiders game in 2019, I mean, what had happened there? Well, Anthony got flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct, which then set the Raiders' offense up with really good field position, and then they went all the way down and scored, and that was a game that the Bears should have never come back and wanted to begin with because the Raiders were so much better prepared. That same 2019 season, Anthony Miller on Sunday Night Football was supposed to be running, I think, what was going to be a 14-yard route, but ends up running a 16-yard route. And some people are going to be like, oh, well, it's just two yards. Well, that two yards makes a major difference because, one, not only did it lead to an interception, but, two, if you're supposed to run a 14-yard route, you need to run a 14-yard route because your quarterback then is going to look to hit you at those exact – in a 14-yard space, he's going to go ahead and – place the ball in a certain area at the top of a route where you're going to go ahead and get it. So Anthony really hasn't done that. Now he was the six wide receiver drafted off the board in 2018. I look at some of these other guys, DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, both drafted in round one. Those guys have panned out. Okay. Then you have someone like Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis and Christian Kirk. Sutton's been good for Denver, but he hasn't ever lived up to the billing. And Sutton was actually labeled as AJ green light, by the way, Pettis and Kirk. Okay. They're just, 
good slot receivers, but not really that good. Anthony Miller, you could argue, is probably still the third best wide receiver in this draft class. Well, I should say fourth best after DJ Chark, who I'll get to in a couple minutes here when we do our redress. But overall, man, Anthony's really talented. He's going into a contract here. When you look at the additions that the Bears have made this offseason in terms of adding Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin, the emergence of Darnell Mooney, the message is really simple. And it's just that, Hey, Anthony, the last three years, you've been guaranteed a roster spot, but this year you're not guaranteed a roster spot. So you better prove something out onto the field. And hopefully it is more consistent quarterback play that helps bring out the best in Anthony, but his ceiling at this point is not going to be a player that's going to have 70 to 80 receptions a year. I think at best for Anthony, he's going to be more of a receiver, a slot guy that gets about, 40, like 50 to 60 receptions a year, let's say. Which I think the Bears would certainly take at this stage at this point. I think, um, I think obviously the Bears see the talent in Anthony Miller because they've had they've had opportunities to move on from him this offseason. They haven't yet. You know, there were all those rumors throughout the offseason that he was on the trade block and they were looking to trade him. I don't know how real that is. Some of that might just be misdirection to try and maybe light a fire under Anthony Miller. It kind of reminds me of the Kyle Fuller situation in 2017 where if you remember Kyle Fuller, he had that year in 2016 where he basically sat out the entire year with uh, an injury. We didn't really know what the injury was. It was like a knee issue that was thought of to be minor at the time, but Kyle Fuller just never felt ready to go on the field. And what the Bears did basically going to Kyle Fuller's contract year is they basically signed a bunch of corners and they didn't make anything guaranteed for Fuller and Fuller rewarded them with the best play of his career. Maybe they think something like that can happen with Anthony Miller here because you watch the tape the guy still has incredible ability to separate in man coverage. The guy knows how to get open. Um, it's just a matter of can he get on the same page with the quarterback? Can he figure out all these other lapses in judgment and mental errors um, that could kind of drag him down a little bit? Like you said, some of these issues are on the quarterback, but some of them are solely on Anthony Miller, and those are things that he has to correct. I ended up giving this pick a C-. minus. I'm not quite ready to give up on Anthony Miller yet. And call that being biased for having him as a draft crush is mine back in the day. But I still think there is a lot of untapped potential here. It may not be figured out. It may not be maximized until he's moving on from Chicago and is with another team. But um, I don't know. I still think he can be a quality uh, starting receiver. Remember, there are three starters, in my opinion, at the wide receiver position in today's NFL. So he can be a starting caliber wide receiver and a, and a pretty good starting caliber wide receiver. I don't know if it's in Chicago or not. Maybe he has a big year here in 2021. We'll it remains to be seen. He hasn't really had a lot to do in these minicamp practices or OTA so far due to some lingering injury issues. So hopefully when we get to training camp, we get to see him get a little bit of a rhythm with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. And we start to see him get a role on this offense and, and see what happens there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, that moves us then on to day three then. We're again, the Bears have four picks here. We'll start off in the fourth round where you had this pick for the Bears that was pretty interesting. So they end up getting Joel Iggy, a linebacker out of Western Kentucky with the 115th pick, another linebacker here. Um, I thought this was an odd pick at the time, you said, uh, and it seems to be even worse in hindsight because, you know, Iggy was a guy that wasn't on anybody's radar, uh, especially as a fourth-round pick. You know, he's kind of seen as, a, as an undersized athletic linebacker which I don't think the Bears really – they didn't really need at the time because they dr- just drafted Roquan. Uh, they already had Trevathan and Kukowski on the roster. On the roster, And linebacker's position to where you know, the way the game is trending is not as important as it has been in years past. Like, you don't need to have a ton of great depth at the, at the position because we've seen guys like – you know, for instance, we saw in the last year's playoff that they got Manti Teo off the street to start a playoff game. And it was ended up being fine for them. Like didn't really derail their defense all that much with him on the field. That's just the nature of the linebacker position in today's NFL. You know, Iggy, he hasn't really done anything except contribute on special teams. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in year four here. He's going into a contract year, but he's stuck around on the roster. I'm just not sure how much value he's added for a fourth round pick yet. Well, yeah, the selection of E.A. Booneyway was very confusing as well like you labeled it i think that when you look at him coming out of western kentucky one of the interesting things was the speed that he possessed and so ultimately with that what you're looking at and saying is okay hopefully can we use this speed that ee booney has to develop him into something even if it's just being a solid special teams contributor but overall he hasn't even really developed into a household name on special teams for the bears and so Ultimately, with E.E. Booney, it's another one of those cases where he's a player that here in 2020, going into the 2021 seasons on the roster bubble, and he shouldn't even be guaranteed a roster spot at all because he's shown over the last couple of years that I don't have what it takes to necessarily stick around and make an impact on defense. When you also look at it, Nick Kwiatkowski left in free agency last year in 2020, signs with the Raiders. That right there significantly opened up the door for Iyabuni Way to step in and then be kind of linebacker three behind Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. What's happened as a result? The Bears signed Christian Jones this offseason, which really just shows me that they're not very confident that Iyabuni Way can for sure take the next step and be a linebacker three behind Trevathan and Smith. Well, I think it says a lot that in last year's playoff game, you know, we saw Roquan and uh, Josh Woods go down to the injury. You know, they could have started Iggy in the playoffs there. They could have started Iggy in the playoffs. And instead they went with Manti Teo, who had only been with the team for like a couple of weeks as a practice squad player. Like that just is so telling of what they thought of him in their actual defense. So, um, yeah, the reason why I'm bagging on this on this pick a little bit is just because, you know, you look at where the Bears were at. They needed to go after trying to either add value to more valuable positions or trying to help out their quarterback here by getting him more help on offense. And they really didn't accomplish that at all here. You know, they could have gone with an edge player here because edge is a big need for them at this point. And, you know, this felt like a reach at the time, and it hasn't paid dividends whatsoever. I gave this pick an F. You know, what are your uh, what's your grade for this pick as a whole? 
Yeah, I would give the pick an F as well. Like I said, Ibuniway, a player that has not developed into much at all. You would think that every time there's an opportunity that's been there for him to take, he has not been able to do that. And so now moving forward here, his future just looks really bleak. I mean, he's I, I think that after 2021, if the Bears decide we're going to cut Ibuniway, ultimately what will happen is that it's going to be very difficult for him to really land on an NFL roster unless it's a team that's like rebuilding, for example, and is just so desperate. But those are cases that are just few and far between. So E. Booneyway, I think just, yeah, completely failed pick. He's on the roster bubble. And that brings us to the fifth round then where uh, a lot better of a pick here. This is really the one fifth of uh, day three pick for Ryan Pace in this draft that really stood out here. And that's game Bilal Nichols at 145 out of Delaware. You know, this is another case of a Ryan Pace finding a day three gem, uh, a real steal here. You know, Nichols, he had an impactful rookie season in 2018 before injuries kind of caused him to fall off in 2019. But I thought, you know, with the fact that he was within the context of him playing a completely different role as more of a nose tackle in 2020 for the most part, I thought Nichols stepped up once again last year and played really well given the circumstances I'm not sure if he's a building block per se, but he's developed to a quality starter or a role player for this defense here. Um, you know, Bilal Nichols, again, this is a case where he's an athletic guy coming out of Delaware. He actually played a lot of nose tackle at Delaware, which I found interesting because that just wasn't the role that he was always going to play in the NFL anyway. And clearly Ryan Pace and his scouting staff saw something here because um, if you watch his tape at Delaware, he just wasn't making a ton of impact because he was stuck in that nose tackle position. But you saw some of the traits that could have translate then to the NFL if you were playing a little bit more outside at a natural defensive end position in a 3-4. And we really saw that come into fruition here with Nichols so far in his career. You know, what are your thoughts on Nichols, uh, the pick so far, on how that's worked out here in his first three years as a Bear? If you want to talk about guys that, made a noticeable impact in their first season from this class and you didn't have Roquan Smith, it would obviously be Bilal Nichols. I mean, he's a player that I believe ended up starting by week three or four. I know that throughout parts of his rookie season, he was a rotational guy, but really to see him make the transition from defensive tackle in college. And again, he's built like a defensive tackle because he does have, he's very stiff in the ankles. Nichols has translated and become a really good defensive end in the NFL. And he's another player that is quickly developing under Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. He's quickly developing into one of the premier leaders on the Bears defensive line. When you look at going into 2021 what's going to happen with Nichols is this is that he's going to start we don't know what the situation with Eddie Goldman is going to look like but he has a prime opportunity going into a contract you're here to really earn a nice payday and then just at the time it was another one of those picks where you were like okay you know what there probably is something here maybe he could just be a rotational guy but overall he's developed into a really nice building block and when you go back and you look at this fifth round of the 2018 draft one of the major things to realize is that no matter what you could legitimately say that Nichols is one of the best fifth round picks from this class. I mean, looking at some of the guys that kind of went both before and half after him, you're realizing, okay, a lot of the defensive linemen as well, someone like Andrew Brown, for example, or Tim Settle, or 
a linebacker like Shaquem Griffin or Jawan Bentley or Micah Kaiser, another linebacker, a lot of these defenders that were drafted in round five, they're guys that have primarily just ended up being rotational players, whereas Nichols is the one that sticks out and has become a starter. Yeah, he's just been a really quality player, I think, and a quality fine for Ryan Pace in his front office. And I'm excited to see what he does in contract here because they let Ray Robertson Harris go in this offseason in free agency uh, for a bigger deal in Jacksonville. Uh, clearly, some of that is just an indication of, you know, they couldn't afford Ray Robertson Harris at this point just because of their cap space situation in general. But I think some of that is a vote of confidence for Bilal Nichols. There were also some rumors that they were shopping Akeem Hicks in a trade this offseason clearly showing that they're maybe not tied to him long-term either with him going to a contract here. So I think some of that is they're showing confidence in Bilal Nichols that they think he can be a long-term starter for them. And if he can have a good year on a contract year, it wouldn't be surprising to see the bears try to keep him long-term and, you know, you want to keep these homegrown guys with your organization long-term on second contracts. And Nichols is one of those guys I think they should be trying to keep long-term I gave this pick an a minus overall what was your overall grade for this pick I gave it an a I think that it could really move up to an a plus if Nichols has a major breakout season in 2021 where we see him notch something like double digit sacks which again for him a player of his caliber and potential is not even out of the possibility. Also, another thing to note about Nichols is that he's been relatively healthy throughout the course of his career. I mean, yeah, he had the broken hand in 2019, which again, really hampered the progress that he was making. But then also one of the things that he's kind of said to me in the past is that, Hey, look, I have been talking to guys like Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, and they've taught me things like how to take care of your body just to have a long and successful career in the NFL. And I think that anytime you have a player like that, then you do have a guy that's going to be on the Bears defensive line for years to come. Yeah. I can't, it can't be understated the value of having veterans like Hicks and Goldman in the locker room. I think that that has definitely helped with the culture that has been set with the defensive line. They've always had really good depth on the defensive line. I think those two guys have really set the tone for that. And Nichols, he's been a great byproduct of that because he's been able to benefit from not only the presence of those two guys, benefiting from them from a football on the field standpoint, but off the field, you know, helping that development here is huge. And you know, Nichols, now's the time to where he can really step up and be that leader of the defensive line going forward and be a guy that the Bears can rely upon uh, to be a key contributor for the defense in the future. All right, that brings us then to the sixth and seventh round picks. We're going to go through these pretty quickly here. Um, first with Kylie Fitz, edge guy out of Utah. You know, in the sixth round, they got him in the sixth round here. He was seen as a good gamble at the time, you said. Uh, he had some injuries issues at college, but had a great combine pro day workout. Uh, that kind of gave you some optimism that he could translate to the NFL. You know, he never really worked in Chicago. You know, most day three edge guys really don't anyway. It's really a position where you want to address that early, if at all. Um, so, unfortunately, that was really unfortunate there. But, you know, he's still in the league today with the Cardinals. I gave this pick a C. And then infamously, Javon Williams in the seventh round, who uh, he gets a bad rep from Bears fans now because of the playoff game. But, you know, he's another wide receiver adds to the offense in this draft here. You know, like I said, he gets a lot of bad flack, uh, you know, for that playoff game. But for a seventh-round pick, I thought he was actually decent value. You know, seventh-round picks usually don't make the roster for three years in a row. And he's played a, you know, 
I wouldn't say a key role, but he's played a prominent role as a blocker, special teamer, um, you know, kind of that fourth, fifth wide receiver type of guy. And he's made a few nice plays from time to time. Unfortunately, everyone's going to remember him for his drop against New Orleans in the, in the wild card game from this past season. And that kind of soured everybody on him as a player. I think both coaching staffs included, I think the coaching staff saw that and said, you know, we need, probably need to upgrade here uh, for that. You know, I don't think he'll make the roster this upcoming season. They brought in uh, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird. They obviously want to add that speed element to the offense that Williams just doesn't have, that downfield ability in the, in the vertical passing game. But, you know, for a seventh-round pick to get three years of, you know, any production out of, I think that's, you know, solid enough. I gave that pick a C plus. What are your grades and thoughts for uh, these two picks? Yeah, I gave the Kylie Fitz pick an F because when you look at Fitz, I mean, I don't even think he ended up lasting three years on the Bears roster. He had the back injuries that were an issue coming out of Utah. And then also when you look at Fitz, I mean, he wasn't even a guy that made an impact as a special teams player. And then in 2019, he was also mostly inactive, which just really speaks there to what he was doing in practice practices and games and whether or not he was really fully healthy and then Javon Williams okay he's been a good jump ball receiver he's another guy that's always going to be a preseason star and Bears fans kind of rally behind and are like oh yeah let's go maybe we have something here but overall you look at Williams man I mean the big drop in the Saints playoff game forget that for just a second here when you look at just overall his skill set he's a guy that really is not the best separator also does not have um, elite breakaway speed by any means. So you can't really get him the ball in space and then expect him to really turn up the field and then make defenders miss. He's not very shifty or elusive as well. So just Wims is very limited with what he's able to do. Now he can be an asset in the red zone. And it's interesting because there's actually a point that I thought maybe Wims could end up being someone that does develop into something here, but he's just been a special teamer for the most part. Ultimately, another player that is on the roster bubble going into 2021. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there. Ultimately, I, I don't think Wims has a future with the Bears here going forward. I think the Bears clearly want to upgrade there. But again, for a seventh-round pick, I mean, that's that's totally fine, in my opinion. You know, most of the seventh-round picks don't even make the roster as rookies anyway. Um, so for him to hang around this long, I think is a testament to him and what he was able to bring for the Bears for the limited, limited role that he had here. All right, so it's time to grade this thing as a whole, you say. It. I'll start off with you. What are your overall thoughts on this class? And then what would you give this class, grade this class as a whole right now? Overall thoughts were at the time that, hey, maybe the Bears, not even maybe, but the Bears have three legitimate building blocks in Miller, James Daniels, as well as um, Roquan Smith. And then you look at it, okay, Bilal Nichols, you would hope that guys like E. Booneyway and Nichols would develop into something. You obviously hope that all your guys develop into something, but that's not realistic to for a team to have seven or eight picks and then expect a team to hit on all eight picks. I mean, they hit on what, 40 to 50% of these picks if we're being realistic here. Now, I would give the draft a this class overall a B plus because Roquan Smith's developed into the face of your defense for years to come. James Daniels, yeah, he's going into year four, but he's still developing into a really good defender. And then Anthony Miller, you hope there that with more consistent quarterback play that he can finally, finally, finally realize the potential he has. 
You have Bilal Nichols, another guy that's developing into a leader on the Bears defense, right along Roquan Smith. Iyabuniwe fits, okay, you have not gotten anything out of him. Javon Wims, you've gotten something, but you haven't gotten as much as you hoped, and he's just very limited overall. So I'm going to go ahead and give the draft class a B. It was a pretty good draft class for Ryan Pace. What could bump this up to an A is if Anthony Miller finally – Anthony Miller and James Daniels – finally realize their potential. And if Bilal Nichols has a major breakout season where he bursts onto the scene. Now, looking forward here, I would also say this, that if that doesn't happen, where we don't see James Daniels realize his full potential, you don't see Anthony Miller do it either, then I think it's very fair that this class gets bumped down to like a C plus, let's say, because then you're really looking at this draft as being Roquan Smith and then everyone else. And Bilal Nichols. Yeah, I think a lot of it does hinge on what we see happen this year, especially with Daniels and Miller as those second-round picks. I think Nichols, uh, he's already, I think, over overdone his expectations. He's already surpassed his expectations as a player as a fifth-round pick. And you know, he's if he's you know compacted up with another solid year, even if he goes somewhere else in the future, um, I, I still think that's really good value in the fifth round there. But you know, for me, I, you know, I gave this draft a B as a whole, so not quite as good as their 2016 draft class, but still a really solid all-around draft for Ryan Pace. You know, Roquan Smith, he's set to be a long-term building block, and building block for you, and even if he's the only guy um, that ends up coming out of this draft class as a long-term contributor for you, a guy that you get on, your, on a second contract here, he's still a really damn good player, and you're happy to have that. You know, I, I think Daniels uh, and, and Bilal Nichols could play roles as long-term starters or contributors on second contracts as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprising to see both those guys get extensions sometime in the middle of this year, but we'll see. You know, the Anthony Miller pick really changes things for me because if he would have really worked out here for them, this is an easy A, I think, because you get Roquan here, you get Miller as a you know quality wide receiver option, and then what you get out of Daniels and, and Nichols is really just – adding to an already good draft there. But Miller, unfortunately, hasn't worked out, which drags this grade down, given what they invested to get him, giving up future draft capital, significant draft capital to go get him. When you do that, it has to work out for you. And Miller, as much as I like the guy uh, from a talent standpoint, as much as I want to see him work out, you know, from a guy, from a guy that was a, a draft crush of mine in that year, unfortunately, like, if you're making that big of an investment, it has to pan out, and it hasn't panned out for them so far. Maybe he surprises us in his fourth year, but he's off to a rough start in the offseason program so far, so we'll see what happens there. You know, another thing that drags us down for me is that the fact that Iggy was a throwaway pick in the fourth round, which just doesn't help either, but overall, I'm giving this a B here. I thought it was a good draft at the time. I think it's still a good draft here Brian Pace. I think it'll be even better if Daniels and Nichols can really step up this year and be long-term stars for them. And anything they get out of Miller here in 2021 is going to be a bonus as well. So that brings us to our redraft of the 2018 draft. And uh, for this one, because they had seven picks, we're end up we're going to end up doing only three changing changes here for the picks. So I'll start off with you. You said what was your redraft? What was uh, the changes you made for this draft class? Looking at it, the first two picks I kept the same, totally fine with Roquan Smith and James Daniels. And then that third pick, instead of going with Anthony Miller, I actually went ahead and drafted D 
DJ Shark, who went 61st overall originally to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, when you look at DJ, he had a good rookie season, had a good sophomore season. Year three was really good. Now, going into year four, what's going to happen is this, is that now that he has Trevor Lawrence and he's going to have that more consistent quarterback play, I think that DJ Chark is going to be a name to watch this year as a player who could possibly get a nice payday in free agency in 2022. DJ's just really developed into a Pro Bowl wide receiver, all around just a really good player. And then after DJ... Round four of this draft was interesting. There was not really a lot of talent there, but I went with Josh Sweat. Now, Sweat was always seen as a gamble coming out of Florida State, the defensive end, because ultimately with him, what it was was this, is that people said, okay, well, he's got all the tools needed to succeed. He has everything needed to be a really good football player, but he had multiple injuries that ultimately held him back. And I believe there was a report that he was actually going to quit football as well, just for the sake of his long-term health. But he's developed into a pretty good rotational pass rusher on the Eagles defensive line. Round five, I stuck with Bilal Nichols. Round six, instead of going with Eileen Fitz, I went ahead and I chose safety Deshaun Elliott. I think that just looking at Deshaun coming out of college, he was labeled as pretty good guy in coverage. All right. Was also a safety that was a pretty hard hitter as well. He's developed into a pretty good backup for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, ultimately, I think that for Deshaun going into this year, the opportunity for him to start is definitely there because the Ravens, they don't have Earl Thomas on the roster anymore. And then, yeah, seventh round, I went and stuck, went ahead and just kept Javon Wims. I realized, okay, for a player of Wims caliber, he's not obviously never going to be any type of superstar, but he is good enough to stick around and he can be somewhat of an asset in the red zone or something, even if it's as a decoy. So there's overall my redraft, man. Interesting. Yeah. I want a little bit of a different direction here because I end up keeping the bears first three picks, the exact same, you know, I, I could have gone with DJ Chark at wide receiver over there, over Anthony Miller, but I do think his skill set is a little bit redundant with what they had in Anthony and uh, Allen Robinson. And like I said, I'm not ready to give up on Anthony Miller quite yet. I know the pick hasn't worked out. I know that's what drags down the grading for us for the for the draft class as a whole. Um, but, you know, Miller, I, I still believe in the talent overall. And I, I've talked down on the pick quite a bit here. And I give it a C minus. You know, obviously it's not a great pick, but, you know, this wasn't a second round I was necessarily in love with uh, when going back and looking at who's available there. So I decided to stick with Anthony Miller here and I'm banking on hopefully that he can reach his potential maybe uh, with Justin Fields at quarterback, but we'll see with that. But that also brings me more of an opportunity to talk about some late round steals uh, that we saw from this draft that I really wanted to mention here as well. So I think just from a fun aspect of things, that's kind of where I wanted to go in a new direction here. Uh, In the fourth one, I actually went with the same pick as you with Josh Sweat instead of Iggy at that 115 uh, pick. He was picked 130th by the Eagles, you know, raw tools, the edge guy coming out of college. Uh, like you said, he developed, he's really developed nicely since entering the NFL. And, you know, it's interesting because he'd be kind of a weird fit in a three, four defense. He's more of a guy who's comfortable with his hand in the dirt, better for a four, three defense. But I think they could have worked him in as a pass rushing specialist where he has his hand in the dirt, you know, not maybe as a full-time player for them. And with that said, you know, the bears needed edge depth at the time because they had no, uh, Khalil Mack trade available to them. They did not make the Khalil Mack trade, I, I should say, at the time. You know, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Lynch were their only two, uh, you know, really quality edge rushers on the roster at the time. So they needed another edge guy, and Sweat would have been a nice developmental piece to bring in there. 
And let's say he develops, you know, for them as a quality, maybe not starter, but a quality contributor for them at this point in time, you know, last year, maybe he prevents them from having to overpay for a guy like Robert Quinn last offseason. Maybe they feel comfortable with the fact that they don't need to make uh, a desperation move like that in free agency. So, you know, a lot of factors that go into there, but I thought Swat was a pretty good value for them. He's a guy that I was pretty high on in that draft class just because there's just a lot of developmental upside with him. Uh, the fifth round, fifth round, I get the same as well. Bilal Nichols, that's one of the best picks from this class, so I'm not going to change that. But I changed both the sixth and seventh round picks here. In the sixth round, uh, instead of Kylie Fitz, I went with Russell Gage, wide receiver out of LSU. Uh, he was picked originally at 194 by the Atlanta Falcons, and he's developed nicely into a quality third wide receiver, both in the slot or outside. Uh, he had a really nice year for them last season. Has developed nicely uh, in that offense next to Calvin Ridley, next to, you know, next to once, what was, once was Julio Jones, but he's no longer there anymore. So Russell Gage would be the, uh, I guess, number two wide receiver if you're not counting uh, Kyle Pitts as that guy. Uh, but he's been a really solid player. He's had a better career so far than Javon Wims for sure. And it just adds more depth to that wide receiver unit, which they needed badly at the time to really add talent around Mr. Trubisky. And then the seventh round here, I went with kind of a fun pick here. Uh, Jordan Maialetta, uh, offensive tackle. He did not go to college because he was actually a converted rugby player whose only football experience was actually getting to on an NFL roster with the Eagles. Uh, they selected him at 233 overall. Like I said, didn't play football at all, I think, before he got to the NFL. Uh, he went to the Eagles in 2018, didn't do anything for them the first few years. He was battling injuries on injury reserve those first few years, but he got onto the field last season in 2020 because the Eagles had a ton of injuries on their offensive line, and he got to play left tackle for them, and he actually looked really good at left tackle last year, and anytime you can get a guy in the seventh round who can play anywhere close to you know quality starting caliber play at the tackle spot, I mean, you got to take that every single time with you know, how hard it is to find these guys. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's a seventh round, you're taking a flyer on offensive lineman, and you're just seeing what you got here. He wouldn't have started for the Bears at all over the past couple of years, but, you know, maybe he develops into a guy that can start for you down the line. Maybe you're not having to sign a Jermaine Fetty for $5 million on, on the cap sheet this year because you, you feel comfortable with him at right tackle per se. Um, just something to keep in mind here. You know, I'm not sure if he would develop like that here with the Bears, but, uh, certainly an intriguing uh, name to keep in mind uh, when looking at this redraft here. All right, that's going to conclude things for us here. We can wrap things up for this episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. It was pretty fun uh, going over this 2018 class. You know, I remember distinctly going over this class, you know, um, when this draft originally happened and, and really thinking that this was going to be a game changer for the Bears. Hasn't quite worked out that way, but still a, I think we both can agree that's a pretty quality class as a whole with some up, with, with some untapped potential uh, with what these guys can do in 2021. Um, that brings us to the conclusion here. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace, uh, where we have some updates here. and going to be posting some content um, on Twitter for that, you know, over the off-season period. Uh, you said, we're going to follow you on Twitter and find your work. Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter as well as any other social media platform at Usaid Kulshul. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I just dropped an article relating to the 20 well relating to Roquan Smith basically talking about how he's more motivated entering year four yeah absolutely you can follow me on twitter at aj freeman 25 
you can find my work at the Bearport as well. Make sure to, if you enjoy film breakdowns, to go watch my video breakdown of Justin Fields. That's on our, the Bearport YouTube channel. It was very fun to put together. I'm looking forward to making some more film stuff uh, in this month or so before training camp. Hoping to get one or two at least videos out there for you guys that enjoy that content. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in on all podcasting platforms once again. Um, you guys are the best. Uh, we have some interesting stuff coming up here. I think we're going to be transitioning soon away from some of these, you know, draft, re revisiting some of these older drafts of Ryan Pace and trying to get some more content to preview the upcoming 2021 season for, for both the Bears here and really college football in general. But, you know, a lot of stuff to get into before both those seasons kind of start and kick off here in a couple months coming up. So with that said, have a great rest of your week, everybody, to all of our Bears fans out there. Bear down. Have a great rest of your week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.